Doctor waging a one-man war on poison sumac. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 106. Welcome to the show. Uh, we talk about industry, Naz, and uh, we read some books together. We'll also do a book club. Andy Diggle. Jock. A little company called DC Comics. Green Arrow. Year one. Welcome to the show. If this is their first time, you know, you you should be very excited right now. Um, let's introduce the host. You know, this is the first time listening, so you need to get to know everybody. To my immediate left, his pale skin is really screwing up his camera right now on the video feed. He's wearing a V-neck for the first time ever. He's very excited about Kindle Worlds, and uh, he's a writer. Jonesy loves beer. Thanks for being here. I, I've i never felt so liberated as when I first slipped on this sweet, sweet v-neck, and I'm not sure <laughs> I could ever go back. It doesn't even look like a difference from what you usually wear. It's oh, a there v-neck. we go. Here's look out. Like, you just pulled that down. I'm oh popping it for you, babe. I'm popping it. Oh, jeez Louise. The necks are popping all over this joint. Disclaimer, Jonesy had a beer before the show, mm. which has been Alleged. strictly banned Alleged. for at least the last 70 to 90 episodes. And with good reason. Uh, next in line, my favorite host. He's a father. He's in charge of merchandising of this podcast. He had an unfortunate battle with uh, Poison Oak the other day. Didn't know anything about it. Per the medical doctors in this Google Hangout, yes. It's uh, it's still alleged, unconfirmed. Uh, stay tuned to that riveting conversation this evening. Uh, Dale underscore A, podcast bad boy. Welcome back. It's uh, good to be back. Um, you know, almost didn't make it down here. Picture one of my son's blaring the 60s Spider-Man theme on my phone while the other one puked all over the high chair. <laughs> Just a typical night in yeah, Memphis, I mean, it, was, it was pandemonium. And I've got picture poison you... sumac crawling up my back right now. Yeah, meanwhile, you're having your kids rolling all over you. You got poison sumac. They're none the wiser. R.I.P. I don't know. I've never had it before. I could, you know, think of me what you will with that information. I was very careful as a child. Very careful. Um, and finally, as a child. Finally, uh, we have our, our special guest host this evening, 
from the Ancillary Characters podcast, recently profiled in the town newspaper. That is print and digital, my friend. He is, uh, he is our first ever white DC historian. Mm-hmm. Uh, former host, now dead, Mark Farrington. R.I.P. Mark. Um, noted Man of Steel apologist. Seth Breedslove, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Something I've always wanted to know, how much did you have to pay Mark Farrington to record your opening uh, song? Free. The Free. rap? Mark Mark works on a, worked, past tense, on a right. very simple budget of free food, free action figures from Justice. Jonesy, you, you, you got tricked into giving him tons of free stuff in the past. Oh, yeah. He, Jedi mind tricked me on numerous occasions. Free Shane Davis uh, autographs. Yeah. <laughs> he guilted Shane Davis into a free autograph once. I believe at one point the owners, the Tai Tai, just gave him the entire run of uh, Watchmen or Kingdom Come just for free because he asked for it. Um, enough, enough, enough about dead co-hosts. Yeah. Seth, it's, it's a real treat having you on the show. Uh, it's a real... It's a real something being on the show, especially with Jonesy over there. Every time he moves, I feel like I'm looking into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> that that light, the light above him is like it's reflecting the light back off of him. Mm-hmm. And when he smushes, it's like staring into the face of God. Seth, just so you know, I am the designated troll target of the Paper <laughs> Cake Podcast. So you just hurl it all in this direction, babe. You have an amazing skin palette. That's all there is. To I'm it. just a live Instagram filter. This is what I am. Uh, we're running out of tape immediately. Uh, real quick, Paper Keg Meetup number two is happening July 27th in Philadelphia. Dale and I will be there and the rest. Um, the be rest. sure to tune in. Just Google Paper Keg Meetup two. You'll get the details. What's happening in the world of Nez, Dale? Big news on the comic book publishing front. A merger of two beloved companies, Boom Studios, buying Arkea, home of Mouse Guard and the like, to form a a powerhouse in the industry, owning uh, a lot of IP Hmm. coming out of those two studios. Um, Neck and neck, probably with Dark Horse. I don't know. Debatable, I think, if it's bigger. They're bigger than Dark Horse now to be number three. I guess yeah, number three, you know, who, number one, two, three, you know, the big two. But I, that's, I mean, that's cool news. That I think that solidifies a future. You ever read Tale of Sand? I've read some of A Tale of Sand. Thanks for being here, Jonesy. What are your thoughts on this on this acquisition? I you're you're the businessman. I am when it comes excited. to comics. I am. I have crunched the numbers. Mm-hmm. And there is no way these two companies could have survived without this merger. <laughs> Jonesy math. Wow. Uh, Strong words. <laughs> <laughs> Jonesy has looked at their books, and he has made this uh, rash assumption. <laughs> you know, they did have me as their ombudsman during the merger, and mm. I blessed it. But uh, I'm really excited. That's a and Masonic these, term. Uh, all, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> all the IP gets to uh, continue. And uh, nothing gets shortchanged. I think this is going to be good for both sides. Seth, name your top five boom books that you're <laughs> reading right now. Uh, Donald Duck 
and the um, F- Fabian Gray, the Haunting. Uh, that's actually Image Daredevil Comics. number twenty-seven, <laughs> <laughs> the Aquaman, and the Flash. Seth Breedslove can be found on the Ancillary Characters podcast when he's not guest hosting on this show. Be sure to check it out. Uh, you know, Boom Boom had a good year. I thought great oh. year. I mean, they've had a great year. Yeah. Did you? Did any of you guys read Extermination? Cy I heard Spurrier. it was. I heard it was great. I loved it. Um, that's the one boom title I can automatically call to mind. I have a Planet of the Apes. What was the uh, what was that Cy Spurrier title? Just extermination. Was that an existing character? Or is that just like to- something totally new? I think it was. I think it was all all new. It was this like post apocalyptic world with these this former superhero and supervillain kind of teaming up to survive in this. Uh, I don't know, kind of like Mad Max meets Alien. Wasteland sounds great. Act- the The dialogue was amazing. That was what hooked me. It was it was funny and action packed. And you reading Cy Spurrier's X Men Legacy? That's garbage. Wow, heard it here first, folks. We're not even sure if he's reading it, but he can call it official garbage. Listen, I read the first two pages of the first <laughs> issue. <laughs> well, and I called it. Well, that's that's enough to give a. Uh, Competent review like that on the entire series. The Ancillary Characters Podcast, folks. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. heavens. <laughs> the, uh, Check us out, AncillaryCharacters.com. His, his six-gun gorilla can't be denied. Great, amazing title, Cy Spurrier. I still mm-hmm. want to pick that up based on your recommend. Anything else hot and bothered in the world of comics news, Dale? Uh, well, there's a bunch of news here on this iPad that I can, but I don't want to touch it because apparently the oils from the poison sumac... Dead man walking. I, I, I don't even want to itch my eye right now because it itches. I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss you the most, Dale. VP of Sumac. <laughs> I mean, literally the oils. Like that wasn't sweat that you were like wiping off Grayson's brow. That's like, let me just give you some poison oak. <laughs> That's not no, oils, son. God, he's probably in bed itching his little heart out. And you know what? Thanks, Dad. That's what he's saying right now. Uh, let's get into the comic talk right now. I'm, I'm interested to hear what. The human son, Jonesy Loves Beer, has read this week. I don't think this podcast would be complete unless we talked about those last two pages in Cap, Captain America issue seven this week. Mm. Uh, Cataclysmic (laughs) turn in the story. Uh, As you know, Cap's adopted son, Ian, and he have hit a bump in the road. You know his sure. natural. You know his biological father Zola might have brainwashed him into being evil again, and you know Cap is taken a beating by Zola's inverse Cap, his Bizarro Cap that he's created, and uh, so they're fighting it out. And uh, you know the whole time, Ian is just running around his legs, being like, "Yeah, you're dumb," and all this kind of stuff, and making him feel really bad. And uh, you know Cap uses his dying breath to beat. The other uh, Bizarro cap. And then he's crawling to Ian. He said, you know, just uh, if I can hear it from your voice, I can die happy knowing you know that I loved you and I was your real father. And he snaps out of it just in time for. Spoilers, everybody. Just fast forward if you don't want to know what happened <laughs> just, in the last. Is, I owe you guys for Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> just in time for Sharon Carter to kill him and save Cap's life. 
one of those just, amazing two pages. I just loosed myself mm. because I haven't read it yet. I, I'm trying uh, to keep it contained, but my I mean, my blisters I, just I, popped open with oily surprise. In hindsight, in hindsight, I would have tried a little harder to prevent Jonesy from revealing that spoiler. <laughs> oh my God, uh, holy crap! I don't care because I know the Pa Kent died. And I know oh, that. Hello, hello and, spoilers, look, everybody. Look, spo- Man of Steel spoilers. Jonesy doesn't even care. <laughs> um, Let's just was, lay it all on the line, Slim. There was a panel that I screenshotted. So, that, I mean, this is Remendo at his finest. This is Remendo at near fear agent levels of emotion running high. And uh, there's one scene where Cap is trying to escape. And uh, he says that he hates him. He's like, it hits me hardest yet. It's not mind control. What if? What if it's just how the boy feels? Mm. His son, that, quote, son that he's been with for about a decade. Can you imagine? Yeah? No. Kids ready to murder you? Ugh. And then mm. Sharon Carter. I mean, I plotzed when I, when I saw what happened to Ian. Mm, my God. Good grief. It's just that, that excessive panel where he falls over the ledge into the Close. sewer. Ugh. Tugging on my heartstrings, Remendo. Mm. Seth, are you reading Cap right now? Or yeah, there's no I, need to now, but were you? I, I actually call Jonesy every week, and he just re- rehashes the whole thing. What I do is I have an old phone with a cord, and I get on my yeah. bed with my feet kicked up, and I just twirl that cord and talk about this week's Captain America. Yeah, um, yeah I'm reading it. I'm curious if this is going to stick. This this really, I, I don't know where they're going to go from here. Yeah, I mean, this issue ends on a cliffhanger that's unlike any cliffhanger I've seen in a comic in a long time. I mean, I bo- I could immediately trust that what happened at the end of that issue was going to happen, or there's going to be a twist where virtual you know, reality world something has happened, and I don't it's know. Oh Matrix. man, you you think that there is no Z dimension Z, and that's just virtual reality? I it almost seems like it's going to have to be something like that. My theory could have been it's just part of Zola's mind takeover, and this is all happening in Steve's head. Like you know how uh, he has that the, the Zola face on his chest. Mm-hmm. I just think that's this is part of his like Z face programming, and kind of like to to Seth's point. Um, I think know, that's the that uh, this is like that's, a world inside his head. That's that dimensions version of Cap has poisoned Zumac. I think <laughs> the poor guy. Dale underscore A, folks. Living with that affliction. Dimension Zumac. And he gives it to his son. So, <laughs> exactly. Ian. I mean, that would be a, a crazy mind F if uh, it just turns out that that's uh, Zola screwing with his head. He's got like cap chained to a chair. Wow. He's just that been would be screwing nuts. with his mind. Let for... me let me just pitch this, though. It's a pitch virtual it. reality world that is powered by the solar power of Jonesy's <laughs> giant. Sun face in the sky yeah. over over the virtual reality. Let me get more of that forehead there. How about Just when he so scrunches his little face up? It looks like a Chinaman. <laughs> <laughs> That's so racist. Dale does not oh speak goodness. for paperkeg or paperkeg.com and it's us. Uh, speaking of uh, racist comments, Dale underscore A, who's really under the pressure of that Poison Zoom act, so we can't really discount what he's saying mm. as real. Uh, what did you read? <laughs> Jersey just put on the most awful sunglasses I've ever seen. Trying to tone it down for you guys. 
I was trying to tone it down for you guys a little bit. I mean, those are blind old woman glasses like, you know, that they put on because the sun could make it even worse. Like right after they had the cataract surgery? These are the Be honest. Are those your glasses? Are they Are they actually your glasses? No, I, I don't actually own them. Okay. Right. They're just in your house. Um, listen to this. King Conan, issue two, The Hour of the Dragon, part two. King Conan is a wonderful story that Conan is sitting down with somebody sort of documenting and 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 reflecting on uh, whatever Conan tells him and he's he's currently um speaking of his past where he's had many run-ins with men of magic he hates them he thinks they're they're, you know, obviously devilry. They're, he's got no use for them. And he's, you know, he's been brought to his knees many times by these men of magic. And he, uh, it, refl- it, it kind of flashes back. And the whole story is, is one big flashback of a battle where he was um, brought to his knees by a, a magician or a sorcerer. And he was king of the Aquilonians uh, at the time. And he was defending an outpost, and he was basically brought under. He fell to his knees. He fell limp, and they brought him into a you know a jail cell to rot. And then, as as Conan is talking to the sorcerer, it's uh, the sorcerer's kind of got the the king, you know, his king that he's representing. He's got him in sort of a, a plan where. The sorcerer plans to usurp the king and the king's two brothers, and it's it's this the way this comic is drawn. It's looks like it's completely detailed from like out of the eighties. It's it's a gorgeous book, more than anything else. And the artist and colorist need all the props in the world: Tomas Girello and Jose Villarubia. And a Timothy Truman, obviously, writing a wonderful story, too. There's a scene where this um, one of the jailers spits in Conan's face because Conan's got shackles on, and he's saying, basically, uh, there's more than just rats and bugs down here in the cellar with you, and it kind of, like, glances over to a, a skeleton where the bones have been broken and, like, the marrow has been sucked out. So Conan's a little uh, freaked out, and the guy spits in his face, mm. so Conan punches him in his face so hard pops an eyeball out and kills him oh what just and 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 the s eating grin on conan's face because he knows he's not going to be able to escape he's still locked up but the fact that he got one one hit in beautiful a great book and as as is dark horse does this is a uh, number 10 in a series of king conan adventures Oh. So that's kind of cool that they're doing that, even in King Co- this King Conan miniseries. Is it um is it as good drink when I mentioned this creative team as Kurt Busiek and uh, Carrie Nord's Conan? I mean, because that that run is literally untouchable. Wow! Yeah, yeah. That I don't know. I will wait until the run is finished. Okay. I will wait until the six issues are finished, and then we can go back to that. But right now, no, because you don't. Busick Nord. If I had Busick and Nord with me right now, they would be the balm to my poisoned. 
This just in Dale them. calls them the cure. <laughs> they call them Bjord when they work together. <laughs> Bjord. Uh, now, really quick, before we get to our first ever white DC historian, I'm going to knock everybody's socks off right now. I hope you're sitting down. Batman Superman from DC Comics, <laughs> number <laughs> one. From Greg Pak and Jay Lee and another artist. Right. Ben Oliver, I think. Get to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> forget what you may have read in Justice League number one when Superman didn't know who Batman was for that first time. Forget it. It's out the window. This is a slice-of-life tale about Clark going uh, to Gotham to investigate some murders that have happened eight hours ago, apparently. Um, and he goes rummaging through Gotham City and discovers Bruce Wayne pretending to be some homeless vagrant, and he immediately sees through the disguise, and they try to get to the bottom of things. Catwoman shows up, and she's um, under some kind of possible crystal meth mind control, which I thought was super odd that they mentioned crystal meth in a DC comic. Um, but the J. Lee art in this is astounding. I would pay some kind of... Write, I would write a check that I wouldn't be able to cash to pay for all of these pages of artwork and put them on my walls. The first page of Gotham City, like Clark walking into Gotham City, is probably the best depiction of Gotham City I've ever seen in my life. Hands down. I just said it. The, the, I, one thing I noticed, too, and you guys can tell me if you noticed this, because I mentioned it earlier on my show, and no one agreed with me. Shocking. Did, did it seem a little... Did it, did did uh, Lee's style seem a little bit different on this book to you, though? Like, especially in face... Like, the way he was drawing faces. Like, I thought it looked more... I said cartoony, but it's not really that. It's just it seemed more expressive. His his style always seemed very static to me, and this seemed a little more I don't know comic Are, comic booky. Have you read his Ozymandias before Watchmen run? Because he's I, doing the art I for looked, that. I think I had the first issue. It was the only one I, I have read. not read it. the The most recent Jay Lee stuff I've ever paged through was probably the Stephen King stuff. That's the last thing. I and read, his like, covers really for read. the Wolverine series. Yeah, I, th- did, I think um, he did that Century miniseries. I think that's what I saw him in. It just um, seemed I I really I th- liked. I it. think you're right. I think it was, and I think the best example is that that kid who was getting beat up. He they focused on his face a few times, and it de- it definitely looks like maybe he's changing it up a little bit. Um, hopefully it's to save time so that he can finish a monthly comic because he only did 18 pages of this book and then they had a different artist come on when they shifted into Earth 2, which was a super bummer for me. Because, Earth I mean, two. even if they... They can't even really bill it as... Was that an Earth 2? Was that Earth 2? That's what I've read on the internet. That's Earth 2. Ah, that um, was incomprehensible yeah. to me. Yeah, so they go... And they do battle. They see each other because this is this takes place when Clark is still wearing his his uh, cute little t-shirt jeans and, jeans. and he's wearing that cape. Um, so they they meet, and then they get transported into Smallville, and Clark um, meets up with a different Batman, which is the Earth Two Batman. Because in Earth Two, Batman and Superman are both dead. So I'm guessing this does really take place 
before what's happening in Earth 2. You can just ignore all this. It's just confusing garbage. But they can't keep... Like, I was wondering why they chose the different artists in their explanation, because they can't really say, this artist is going to be drawing when it's in Earth 2. That was the reason why we did it, to keep the style different. Because if this takes place in Earth 2, the next issue, that means Jay Lee will not be drawing it because they kept up with this different artist. But it's just kind of... I just thought it stunk that they had a secondary artist on it. Otherwise, it was great. I... When it hit Earth 2, I had no idea what was going on, other than the fact now that you bring it up, like, Batman did have a different costume, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, it was noticeably different, the the uh, whole cape set up in front of his chest and stuff. But I, I would have never guessed it was Earth 2. I just thought it was... Uh, I thought time travel. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. I, like, I thought that was present day, and Clark and, and Bruce know each other. But when they first met in the beginning of the episode, or issue that they just hadn't met yet. Well, cover two shows the other timeline Superman, and he's wearing the costume that the Earth 2 Superman wore, where, like, the shield is connected to the cape at the top and stuff. Um, but it was interesting, J- Justice League number one, they, they had, quote, never met before. So I'm interested to mm-hmm. see at the end of this storyline mm-hmm. what will happen where they'll just forget. Like, I wonder if they'll be best of friends at the end and then yeah. they they'll get mind-wiped or something. I don't know. I think the I I didn't I never really thumbed through the Ozymandias stuff, but the colorist on this book was like totally wild. Like I I didn't picture Jay I don't picture Jay Lee's art to be this palette that mm. it was. I mean, not that that's a bad thing. It's just starkly different from I think the, from the Century stuff, which is the only stuff I read. We're um we're running way late. Sorry, Seth breeds love. Um, I'm very interested to hear what you read this week, guest host. The Wake, uh, issue number two, written by Scott Snyder with art by Sean Murphy. Hmm. Uh, are you guys reading this? I read the first issue. Yeah, I read the first. Okay. All right, I don't want to spoil this. Um, in the first issue, you're you're meeting this uh, doctor, I think her name's Parker, and um, she's taken, it's kind of an... Uh, What's that movie? The Abyss. It's kind of an abyss situation. She's taken down to this underwater, uh, what she's told is like an oil rig, right? Yeah. Yeah. A secret secret underwater oil rig. Um, and she meets this team of like scientists and stuff, and she finds what appears to be a merman who rips someone's face off. And mm. then there's, there's... The book is bookended by two scenes that are set... Uh, in the past and then in the future. Actually, I think it's the other way around. It starts with the uh, the future. Like a, th- it's like like a thousand years in the future or something, oh right? My. Am I wrong? I might I be totally wrong. I didn't read issue two. I'm talking about one. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, the first the first scene in issue one is like a is like a flash forward, and then it flashes back to the present time, and then it flashes way back at the end of the book. Um, so this issue kind of follows the same sort of pattern, only I don't want to spoil this. I'm just going to say that that I don't, don't I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it because this is, yeah, Jonesy's going to try. I never listen to Jonesy when it comes to whether or not you should reveal spoilers. (laughs) Tell me every plot twist. Uh, anyway, I just, everything about this book plays into my interests. Like it's all this weird kind of cryptozoological 14 stuff that I kind of get into. Uh, there's some, they kind of allude to the bloop, 
which I don't know if you guys know what the bloop was, but it was like this weird sound that was heard back in the, uh, I think the 1990s underwater, and they still haven't been able to figure out what made it. Uh, it was a massive sound, whatever it was. Interesting. But this kind of plays off of that. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Scott Snyder, you know, is fully aware of that, and that's what he's writing, like kind of inspired him to write this. The end of issue um, one, I thought, like when they revealed that character, I yeah. thought it was some weird homage tie into Creature from the Black Lagoon. Like, yeah, I thought that it, that was the character that was shown at the end of issue one. Honestly, I hope there's more to it than just, like, a merman. And I, I'm i pretty sure there is with the flash forwards and flashbacks that he's doing. And the way this uh, the way this issue ends is pretty... It, it pretty well leads me to believe that there's going to be some, you know, big plot development in the next issue. Yeah. I, again, like, I hate to spoil it because it's so... It's it's one of these things where like every time I turn a page and there's a new twist, I'm just like, yes. The one problem I had with this, yes. the one problem I had with yeah. this, uh, with this issue was that it got really exposition heavy at times. I mean, like mm. people just and and he didn't Snyder didn't do a great job of hiding the exposition. I mean, it's literally just people unloading information on other people. <laughs> so how about the other colors? than that, though? I love it. Do you the colors in issue one were like made my body sweat? They were so Word. good. <laughs> the the only thing I I love the colors, but the first the flashback in the opening of this uh, issue, it I couldn't tell if it was just like my iPad or or something, but it almost looked like I was looking at pages that were scanned. You know, like that's how. Um... I remember issue one was like that too, and I think it's I think it has to do with the way it's colored. Like it okay. felt like I was reading a seventies comic. Yeah, I mean I love that, and it it kind of goes away when they get into the present time. But the uh, the first like th- I think it's like two or three pages are like that. Um, but I I just I love the book. I like the I like the characters, and I love the entire concept of underwater creepy yeah, creatures that are going to eat people's faces off and. Did you read that um, Jimmy Palmiotti uh, underwater adventure? It was, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. It was a Dark Horse book, I think. No. Um, Is that in that Dark Horse app, Dale? Yes, I think so. Is that in that Dark Horse app? Yeah, I haven't read that. I forget what it's called. I'll let you know what it is. It was a one-shot, though, and it was uh, time travel and deep-sea monsters. Was it good? Can you at least tell us that much? Yeah. Yeah, I talked about it on our show Paper Keg. You know, I did give it a review during the roundtable segment. It was like that was a total setup from Dale. It was an absolute setup. Not until he said, "Was it good?" I was uh, too busy working customer service at the time. <laughs> don't take you. You know, you, don't blame me because you poisoned your family. Stop with that poison. I can't stop bitching right now. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. Two sentences or less. Lightning round. I wasn't even sure if you were awake five minutes ago. You were looking down. I don't know what the hell you're doing over there. Good grief. Uh, Daredevil 27. The culmination of a long and beautiful arc. I don't think you can go up from here. Rebuttal. Mm, Hard rebuttal. I'll take it. I'll take it. And it will shock you. (laughs) 
Age of Ultron number 10. Oh, God. Age of Ultron number 10 was good enough. They could have just made it a one-shot. Enough. (laughs) Red Team. One through three from Garth Ennis. This dynamite book is worth all your money. And I was not expecting to say that. Hmm. Lightning. Hmm. (laughs) Wolverine and the X-Men, number 32. Lightning. (laughs) I love this book. I am sick and tired of seeing it every week. (laughs) Lightning agree. Green Arrow, year one, from Andy Diggle and Jock. DC Comics. Andy Diggle, uh, really well known from Shadowland. Jonesy's favorite book. Yeah. And uh, Jock on some historic stuff. He does posters. I mean, he did uh, some work for Judge Dredd, the movie. Dredd. He did uh, some famous Batman work. Yeah. With uh, James, Jimmy Gordon. James Gordon. Yeah. The son. He's doing an upcoming run on Savage Wolverine, Jonesy. Are you aware of that? I didn't know Savage Wolverine was still a title. Um, what's Green Arrow Year One about? So, Oliver Queen is a lonely billionaire. You know, his parents are dead, right? And uh, his life friend for hire, Hackett, leads him around the globe, life friend doing doing extreme things like traveling to the North Pole. The life um, friend experience for hire. And, uh, you know, life friend Hackett is like, hey, Allie, I got this deal for you. It's 14 mil with this chick, China White. And all you need to do is invest in it. And I'm going to go meet her with your boat. And he's like, I'm going to go on the boat, too. And Hackett's like, all right, all right. So they go on the boat to the middle of the ocean to make this deal. And we find out that life friend Hackett is really double-crossing Oliver Queen. And uh, but because they're life friends, can't quite bring it to himself to kill Ollie. You know, he uh, he basically incapacitates him and throws him overboard. He washes up on this desert island and uh, finds some debris where some village people might have been, and he fashions himself a bow and just goes to the task of survival. You know, he he gets himself a little green hood to keep the sun. Off his head, much like you'll need if you're watching this live via tape. And, uh, you know, a lot of adventures incur. You know, the island is really just a heroin farm. And he uh, he proclaims himself a hero. He's going to save these villagers who have been enslaved to uh, harvest the poppies. You know, and, and it turns out that Oliver Queen himself funded the heroin farm 
with his uh, fourteen million in cash that he gave to Hackett. So there's a little bit of a revenge angle there too. And uh, at the end, Oliver Queen now knows what he must do with his life. What what happened in the past ten episodes where Jonesy's synopsis went into <laughs> audiobooks where he just read you what happened in the entire book? I th- he's been listening to them himself. I think I have influences. Oh <laughs> uh, gosh, I thought it was interesting that the first cover said it was one of four, and I guess at some point it shifted to six issues. Issue the, uh, three. Issue three was when it shifted. Issue three, it's it shifts. Yes. Were you reading this on the stands? Were you going to your local Pathmark, no. Seth, when this was coming out? No, not at all. I've no. never been a huge Green Arrow fan until you started watching the TV show. Until I started watching <laughs> Arrow, the TV show is <laughs> amazing. My life changed. If I could just have does your wife watch it with you, Seth? Yes. I could picture you two like uh, like that scene in Arachnophobia where they're all curling up to watch Wheel of Fortune for the night. <laughs> you get all ready with your bowl of popcorn and uh, no, it's no. a uh, sorry, yeah, Dale. Movie. No one's seen Arachnophobia, but um, I, I, I it's kind of like my pre-show ritual. Uh, I I sit down and I I get myself you know usually some Taco Bell and I just crash on that couch and then I I laugh or I cry. I mean, depending on the episode, the thing about Arrow that's crazy is, like, depending on the episode, it can either be ridiculously good or one of the funniest comedic things you'll see all year. But not on purpose. But not on purpose. Hmm. Or maybe. You never know. Um, I, Jock, I don't understand how Jock does it. I think he's probably one of the best artists in town. I don't even know how he. I don't even know why he still does comics. Like all the work he's starting to get in like movies and stuff. I don't know why he even bothers. He can probably make sick bank doing other stuff. But I'm glad he still does it. Covers on. I thought it was. I thought it was great. I thought the Green Arrow. I actually read. I read it. I think I read half of it maybe last year. But this is the first time I finished it. I thought it was great. Yeah, fantastic. Quick read. I thought the it was a quick read. I thought the premise was wonderful. I was. I was pretty well engaged through at least the first four issues. Mm -hmm. And then it, when he started getting into the, I don't know, the trick arrows or, or whatever, I kind of was like, Oh, this is the green arrow that I, I expect kind of stuff, but it, it kind of fit. And it, you know, it, it was probably a nod and, or, I mean, that's what you can't stop who green arrow is, I guess, even especially in old continuity. Like he's, I don't know. He's kind of goofy, I guess. I don't really, I don't really know that much about him. I just know he maybe is a little goofy. But I think the this year one story, I, I, I absolutely loved. I would recommend it for anybody. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, are you awake right now? Yeah, I am. I am actually collecting my thoughts, sir. <laughs> uh, I kind of, I kind of wish I only knew Green Arrow from the show. Because to think that beyond this great six-issue introduction origin story that there's a whole universe of where he's just a guy in tights with a Robin Hood cap, like, I have no desire to read that. But the television show is so reality-based, and this intro in comics was so reality-based. I wish it was all 
him on the island for like 30 issues. I yeah. would read that. Yeah. I would read where he has got a struggle to get off and, you know, he kind of learns the skills. And there's something great that they do in the show that I kind of expected to happen here. You know, in, in Arrow, he's trained by Deathstroke to fight and to, you know, be an archer on the island, um, which isn't covered by heroin, but, it you know, there is like a, a conflict <laughs> on the island. So by the time he gets to be a crime fighter, you Poison kind of there. source <laughs> you you source where the skills come from the parkour, you know the uh, the hand to hand, you know why he's such a marksman. Like you get why he can do all this stuff. Whereas in the comic, he just kind of like is a natural archer. I think it says uh, he was like nationally ranked or something when he was a kid, but he kind of gave it up. And so you know now that he needs it, he's kind of honing his skill again, but. Just because you're really good at being an archer doesn't mean you can take on a small army armed with machine guns. Like, it doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. But in the show, you know, he's trained by, like, the world's foremost mercenary. So when he kicks ass, you kind of like, yeah, I can believe that this guy can do all this stuff. No, Sam, but Sounds like you didn't like it that much, Jensen. I, I actually really enjoyed it. I really liked it, and I thought, like I said, I thought I wish I could read... 30 more issues of his struggle on the island and how he gets trained and how it kind of changes his life, you know, beyond just saving the village. Seth breeds love. Guys, I got to pull a mark on you here. I, I didn't like this at all. What? What? I actually enjoyed uh, the first aspects of the first probably three issues. I, I loved the opening scene in the first issue where they're out in the, uh, the cold, wherever they are. Um, North, but, North uh, Ball. Yeah, that place. The uh, the uh, Once they hit the island, I kind of lost all interest, um, particularly the last two issues. I thought, like Dale said with the whole trick arrow thing, it's an aspect of that character I've never been able to get past unless it's being told in like a kind of silly self-referential way like kevin smith wrote and i'm not a huge kevin smith fan but he wrote i think two pretty decent story arcs with green arrow and brad Meltzer did a good one that followed that and then judd winnick did some some really good green arrow stuff and i'm not a green arrow fan but i like that stuff this to me was i just couldn't take it seriously by by especially when you get to, uh, what is that, issue six, where he randomly delivers that lady's baby Oh yeah! Like, <laughs> during the middle of the action scene, and I, I just, I felt like I was watching The Expendables or something. I mean, I just, I couldn't take it seriously. I think it and, felt, like, I, it feels like issue five just, like, took a, a weird turn. It made me wonder if Diggle didn't have a four-issue story in mind, and it was selling really well, and they were like, you know what, we can we can milk this for two more issues. Let's stretch Sounds it to like six. Sounds like Deo's got his greasy hands all over it. The and, Dan to Deo. The, uh... <laughs> I just felt like those last two issues especially kind of drug the whole thing down for me. I, I think if it had actually just ended with issue four with kind of an abbreviated mm-hmm. ending, I probably would have really enjoyed it. But I I loved Jock's art, especially the action sequences. That guy can, I mean, his action scenes are amazing. It was a little more like minimal than I'm used to with his art. I mean, he usually, you know, he's a little sparing 
typically anyway, but I thought this even more so than some of the other stuff I've seen of his lately. It actually reminded me more of that, hmm. what's that book that they just re-released? Uh, Snapshot. Image? Snapshot. Kind of reminded me of that, actually. Uh, more so than, like, Black Mirror. Um, mm. I don't know. I just, it didn't, I, Ollie, I didn't like Ollie. I didn't feel there was any characterization to him. He was just this rich dude who randomly, there was no moment where he was like, I'm going to change, <laughs> and this is why. It was just like, you know, I snapped my finger just now for the listening <laughs> audience. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden he's cha- he's a changed man, and he's saving lives. So, I I just couldn't get into it. It felt it felt silly, especially you know I love Arrow and yeah. this just didn't stack up. <laughs> we should have just watched the first season of Arrow for this episode exactly. instead of I reading mean, the Arrow comic. Was pretty goofy. I watched the first like five episodes of that show, and I mean the amount of no. shirtless parkour that mm. was happening mm-hmm. on on my yeah. TV. You feeling like, it? Guy. No, I wasn't feeling it. Especially and, and they like to do like the shirtless parkour in the rain. That's their favorite weather to do I mean, the he shirtless. He had to do a lot of things shirtless, if I recall. I mean, even the pilot. That you guy see would... those abs, babe? Wouldn't you? If you had those abs, <laughs> you'd be shirtless all the time. Mm. Uh, I'm shirtless sure all right the now. time, and I look like crap. <laughs> um, Slim, did you watch the final episode of Vera? No, no, I stopped. This season, probably. About you need six to just in. just sit down. I mean, Jonesy, back me up on this. Yeah, that final the, episode, that season finale, is akin to the. Uh, if you it's ever a saw Akin, is it Akin? Akin? It's oh, Akin. Slim. It's Akin. All right. Play Akin. English major. So uh, for three years anyway. So um, you, you remember year. when Smallville was really good in the first season and that first season no. cliffhanger was mm-hmm. crazy? It's yeah. 10 times better than the season one cliffhanger of Smallville. It's, I, I remember reading that Huntress was in an episode. She was in two or three, and she was terrible. Yeah, those are the low lights of our How much parkour did she do? Almost did she none. Do a lot of parkour? Almost no none parkour. parkour. She, could, she could barely move. Dale underscore A. Final thoughts on Green Hour? It sounds like everyone hated it. I what loved a, it. What a disappointment. I'm sorry I'm to drag everyone down. Here. No, I, I think it's worth a read, even if... I think it's worth a read. I like the... I like the how, you know, the Howard Hill, I got a little bit of an education out of it, how this guy Howard Hill was Errol Flynn's archery double. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked how, you know, that was kind of like something that Ollie loved. I, I like that kind of stuff. I, I think it's worth a read. I, I, I like that. Little known fact, one of my very first HD DVD purchases was Errol Flynn and the Adventures of Robin Hood. Take that one to the bank, my friends. Take it to the bank. Love that movie. <laughs> Go ahead, Jonesy. It looks like you're ready yeah, to Yeah, I have uh... just one final thought. Uh, I loved Jock's character model for Oliver on the island, and I wish that could be his costume all the time. Just the simple, just the hood, that uh, that side hip uh, quiver he's got with his like homemade arrows. And, you know, there wasn't, n- there was no tights. You know, no uh, huge green quiver on his back. Yeah. No little elf shoes. Those uh, homemade arrows were kind of dumb, though. Listen, like, listen. I, I know. So, I know. But, uh, no, I, I liked his character models. So that's all I had to say. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them. 
to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. God rest his soul, Mark Farrington. Um, he'll be with us always. We'll read your letters live on the air. Dale, uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to come up with the, uh, the first letter by Mr. Paul Shirley, Jolly Green 05 on the Twitter. The co-host of Seth's and the Ancillary Characters Marketing podcast. Blitz. From the Check those guys out, please. Um, thick as thieves, though, when you when you, read the, when you hear the email. At Ancillary Tweets. <laughs> so, Green Arrow, huh? I have read very little of the Emerald Archer other than team books where he shows up, i.e. Identity Crisis or Green Lantern Rebirth. I did check out year one for the show late last year, and spoilers, I didn't care for it. But hey, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Here's the question. If you had to recommend a book with Green Arrow in it, whether dedicated or team series, what would it be? Hasta luego, Paul. Well, Paul about just that like one your... when uh, Speedy was on drugs. How about that one? Mm. <laughs> I bet you the... Uh, he's just rolling around in it because Seth... Him and Seth... Even to the even on the other show, agreeing with each other, they both would have preferred that it was uh, Flash in his place, and Flash was on his deserted island and running around shirtless. Wally, not Barry. <laughs> uh, Green Arrow's best appearance was in The Dark Knight Returns. Jonesy, didn't you read those? I, for some reason, I have a vague memory of you really liking those Kevin Smith Green Arrow books. I, I don't I, know why I have that vague memory. I know what was the first one? Quiver. Yeah. Drink my yeah. sigh. I think it, I think the fir- I think I read the first issue and I liked it, but I don't think I continued after that. Hmm. I remember buying that first issue at a uh, comic store in the mall when that was still open and and a thing. But that's all I remember doing. I don't think I read it. I can't name any. I probably good would Green Arrow books. I uh, I really like the current run that uh, Jeff Lemire's doing. I think that's been amazing. We're only like four issues in, but I it's it's kind of got the a little bit of the tone of the show, but a little more, you know, I don't know, fantastical. Did you, did you like it before, Jeff? Oh god. And no. did you read it? No. No. I mean, I haven't liked oh, god, it no. since the uh since the old days, and even then like it it kind of lost me. Judd Winnick kind of lost me when he was writing it, but I I really like this uh story arc that Brad Meltzer did called I think Archer's Quest. It was uh, kind of Ollie died during I think it was the Longbow Hunters, and when he came back, he this is like the story of him coming back and kind of dealing with just being back in the real world and living. It's there's no action in it. It's just him interacting with his family and stuff. It's it's really cool. Little known fact, Jonesy. Judd Winnick actually appeared on a reality show called The Real World. Get out of here. Yeah. You don't say. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Trivia, right? Out there. Trivia, right, guys? I know you're, you're a trivia master. Goliath was fun. <laughs> Nobody knew that until I told them. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> when I meet you all in the flesh on Free Comic Book Day, when I met you all in the flesh on Free Comic Book Day, <laughs> totally changed the tone of the email. I was instructed to buy Fear Agent Volume 1 and write in with a review because there never could be enough talk about Fear Agent on Paper Keg. Truth. Forgive my tardiness, but better late than never. I gotta say, 
This book hits all the pleasure points in my brain, and the continual praise you give it is well-deserved. A space western with time travel, copious amounts of booze, and the baby of Clint Eastwood and Han Solo in the lead, and an amazing cliffhanger to boot, it just doesn't serve to get much better. I give Reignition 5 out of 5 Jonesies. I guess I'm a rating factor for him. <laughs> 5 out of 5 Jonesies. For 5 me. out of 5 <laughs> human sons. <laughs> that's, a, that's Jonesy's rhetorical D-bag question, <laughs> by the way. That was actually not intentional, a rhetorical D-bag question. From here on out, your combined is. recommendations will be considered is. words of wisdom. <laughs> Peace and love, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen, for writing Pro in. Lexus. Uh, we love Fear Agent here on Paper King. I mean, that was a great synopsis of Fear Agent right there. If yeah, you never read it was. It. I mean, obviously, nobody wants to hear me fawn over Actually, the uh, greatest series. Did you know that if you right, talk sorry. about it, sorry. our numbers spike by three or 400 downloads, so you just go ahead and talk about it for a minute. I'm going to start my own podcast where I do each issue of Fear Agent, and it's just me talking to a mirror. Uh, about how great in the can right are you with me guys page three it'll be like that infinite where they deconstructed infinite crisis that podcast wonder if that is still going on what is that these these guys like totally deconstructed infinite crisis on infinite earths or something like that oh are you talking okay i think i know what you're talking sounds like they got a lot of time on their hands uh it's been a couple years they kickstarted it did they no, I'm just kidding. Oh, I believe anything you say, Seth. <laughs> Except the fact you didn't see arachnophobia. <laughs> I've seen the movie like six times. I'm in a funk. I don't know what to do. I'm bored of monthly comics. It's the sumac talking. Poison ivy. It's, it's I heard right. the letter from last this whole week where, has it. where the new 52 has managed to stop the listener from reading any DC books. I feel like that, but with everything. Except Matt Fraction's FF. Given the relentless schedule you guys keep up, how do you not get bored of reading altogether? P.S. Hi, Seth. Normally I agree with you, but your Man of Steel is out of whack. But your view of Man of Steel is out of whack. Lots of love, Catcher. That's it, the hard-hitting questions. Pulling the curtain back on revealing that we haven't read a comic in about a year. (laughs) None of us. Uh... Now that's actually that's actually probably a really good question. Yeah, it could probably be addressed on hashtag the flap. I mean that's like real you know life kind of yeah kind of stuff. Yeah, don't yeah. don't save it for your comics podcast. Just go flap. How do how do we keep it up, fellows? I get very bored. I there's that's I think that's why I get that's why I'm so behind on Chew. That's why I'm so behind on yeah. Fatal. That's out in trade form, so in theory I should be able to read it now. I mean I haven't read the last few issues of Saga. I don't force myself Either to read I. comics anymore. I'll just wait until I'm in the mood. Yep. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I don't have a ton of time anymore, but on the train is when I read most things. But I don't, I mean, I only read a few new issues a week. And if I'm not, like, I haven't read the Wolverine, the X-Men, and the new X-Men by Olivier Coppel. Um, I just don't want to force myself to read it. Plus, I mean, Wolverine, the X-Men, I think, comes out like six times a month, Seth. It's not just, oh not just every week. It's driving me crazy. I think there's another issue coming out later tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it drops hourly. That Nick Bradshaw, he's penciling 30 pages a night, you know, looking at Art Adams comics. Um, and baby doll faces. I'm just kidding. I love his art. He's just very similar to Art Adams. Don Carvey would say. Um, what about you, Dale? Dale, you don't have any time to read comics anymore. 
it's actually very interesting, and I, I'm kind of on that same boat with you. Um, I I just read comics that I'm in the mood to read. You know, when I'm in the mood to read them, I still buy them. I still love comics. It's just that I don't. You know, every once in a while, you know, I'll get the fallen back into love with comics, and I'll and I'll just voraciously eat them up as I read them, but. You know, the show is probably a big reason why I still read as many as I do. It's just tough because I you can't read, like Wolverine the X-Men as an example. I read that almost every time it comes out, maybe two or three weeks late. But I can't talk about it on the show every time. So that's like talk. the need to talk about new things for the show gets me reading different stuff, trying out new number ones, and... But I'm always thankful after I read an issue of a comic. Like I'm just like, why would I not? Why would I not have read this? So, you know, you know, it's like I don't feel like it. But then, you know, when my legs are numb and I'm getting ready to wipe, and I finish that issue, it's like, holy crap! My, I'm like, I'm a little bit of a better person because I've just finished that, and I'm so thankful that I did. So, yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, you know, I I gotta keep, I keep keep my medicine though <laughs> for the show <laughs> for the show i think i really wish that they they i'm not sure if i i think i'm done with like monthly comics i don't know i i think i would rather them just come out in trades like the bon dessine format in la france like i would rather them just do the collections like that's what i wanted to do with ultimate comics I wanted them to just do the graphic novel line that they're doing now, like that Warren Ellis is doing with Mike McCone. I wanted them mm-hmm. to only release Ultimate Comics in trades, do like Ultimate Spider-Man one month, and then Ultimates comes out the next month, and then it just revolves like that in like larger format. I don't know. It's just hard to keep up. There's just so much stuff that comes out. Who has the time? Yeah, or there's... desire. I think Superior Seth, Spider-Man, probably... Daredevil, XO, and Archer and Armstrong are the only four Dakin. books... I wish my love, beloved Dakin, if you're still you around, again if you could. But uh, <laughs> kind of like Dale, I uh, I kind of survive off the fumes of number ones. I so, say, you survive off the fumes in your bathroom <laughs> while you're reading. <laughs> my calamine lotion. Uh, yeah, I uh, I just I whenever. I fire up that app on like Wednesday morning afternoon when I'm trying to read for the show. Uh, I just look for anything. It's like issue number one that interests me that I want to jump on and give a review. That's kind of what I'm at. I'm, I'm like it. I don't read like 15 titles a month like I used to. Just you know, you guys know what a kid and work and mm. you know all that. You oh, just, gosh. The time Poison you Oak. have, you have the book club, which you know you need to read and focus on. Oh yeah, that's there. That's wind and sprint then time. Everything else is <laughs> it's peripheral. Always, it's always a sprint in the last tenth of a mile for this book club. I mean, it's I actually read this two Sunday days early. night with a flashlight on your iPad reading the book. <laughs> Usually, Seth, you probably read the most comics out of all of us. Yeah. I, I mean, I would guess because you, uh, you just know what's happening in like every issue. I, I feel when I listen to ancillary characters. It's um, what happened with me is. Th- Though I'm kind of like out of the loop right now because when we when I was going when I went on my honeymoon that was like my first week to not buy yeah, comics. Yeah, let's hear about that honeymoon right now. In a long time, 
And uh, uh, I I had this realization while I was gone that I was like, this is kind of nice. Like, I don't, I don't know anything about what's happening. I don't really care. I actually came back and didn't really buy comics. I mean, buy my usual, like, stack of comics for probably two or three weeks. And then this week I finally, like, bought everything that I hadn't, you know, that I'd skipped out on. But there's there's something about it, too, though, when I'm not doing it that doesn't feel right. Like, on Wednesday, I'm mm-hmm. like, I miss that. And then I buy, I'm all digital now, and I do kind of miss, you know, the occasional trip to the comic book store. But there's there's even something awesome about on Wednesday morning, I always get up, and I go out to the couch, and I, you know, get my iPad out, and I go through the app, and I'm checking out what's finally showing up in the store, you know, because it's usually like 8 o'clock, so it's only DC, and then I can pre-order my Marvel books, but... You know, like, I check periodically throughout the day for new stuff, and I buy it, and there's something fun about that, like, picking out what I'm going to buy, and whenever there's a new number one, like, this week I bought Lazarus number one, and I loved it. And yeah, it was good. There's just, it, it, there's something about it, I would miss it if it was gone. I've been buying every week pretty much for the last, I mean, since 2003 when I got into it, again. Just think and, of what a big wedding you could have with all that comic book money you spent. Ugh, no thanks. <laughs> no, thank, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Want me to crunch the numbers? I could do that for you. Like, yeah, we got oh, a yeah. mathematician <laughs> in here. Yeah, can you sing at the wedding or just show up as as lighting? We wouldn't have to pay for lighting. <laughs> <laughs> sconce will be this a sconce guy, on the wall. This guy over here. Did we get any other letters, Jonesy? Was that it? Uh, there's one more letter, and it goes like this. Oh, no. Also, it's official. See you guys at Barcade from Catcher. Wow. July 27th, Philadelphia. Barcade. Seth uh, Breedslove will be there. He told us earlier. Really? Uh, Wow. Yeah, I remember that. Speaking. Jonesy speaking for... (laughs) Spoilers. He's spoiling my life again. Life spoilers. Exactly. (laughs) Come on, get your hacket. Get out here to Philadelphia. Uh, I got a busy month ahead of me. You I'm looking come. at houses. Look at houses in Philadelphia. Yeah, there's like no taxes in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania homes. I mean, it's like yeah. they pay you to get a house. I'll be murdered in my sleep my first night there. Seth Breed's love. It's been a real treat having you on, showing off your bony clavicle. The whole the show. Beard. God, Good lord! God. I mean, go eat a Facial sandwich. Hair. What is going on? He's like Henry Jonesy. Cavill over there. Who's like Angelina um, Jolie from Girl Interrupted? <laughs> what? Oh my word! <sighs> we'll see everybody next week. Look at Jonesy. He's so pleased with himself. <laughs> Happy as a pig in ass after that joke. I had unloaded my joke about uh, Adrian and I using hoods to blot out Jonesy's sunlight. <laughs> <laughs>
as the uh, you know how people do that thing with a candle and they take the unity candle and then they put it out with the little, <laughs> little yeah, yeah. could have just stuck Jeez. a hood over Jonesy's head. I was not expecting suddenly how I like it. <laughs> I was not expecting Seth to uh, bring out the knives for Jonesy. I thought he would have gone after me for the whole show. And Jonesy <sighs> was the least likely target in my book, but I'm very pleased with the outcome. I love Jonesy. <laughs> this is how I express it. The uh, my rebuttal. He's probably getting back at Jonesy for ruining his podcast. This time <laughs> it's, it's still going on. I mean, the, the right wing Christians obviously don't like it, but you know, it hasn't been the same since. Oh God, <laughs> um, Daredevil Jonesy. Yeah, lightning rebuttal. Do you I'm think you can only go you. up from here? I'm gonna shock you. You've read twenty. You read issue twenty eight. I was ready to propose to Mark Wade and Chris Somney while I was halfway through that issue. Yeah, I felt the ending was a little flat. Why? I felt like it. it I felt like it came out of nowhere. Dale, did you? You read know, it? I. Okay. No, I didn't read it. Yet. All right. I kind of felt like that's one of my that's one of my print books, so I gotta you know find time. Oh, okay. And I don't want to spoil it. Dig it up out of the bag. That's I, right. That but I did think it was left a left turn from every other Daredevil story arc ending ever. So, um, I just felt like. The payoff with the characters did not equal the buildup, in my view. I, I would I agree. Mean, I would hurtful. A soft you. agree on that one. Soft agree. I'll take it. <laughs> the, I mean, I will say that the 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 entire run is majestic. Like this is uh, like the greatest Daredevil run of all time. It makes Bendy and leaves. Uh, run look like a flaming pile of horse. Well, well, let's watch comparison. our tongues there, young man. <laughs> okay, alleged. That, they're Jets, both Jonesy's great with Mark Wade having a slight edge. Um, you know, what are else? you admitting that right now? I will Mark say Wade's? Wade and Somni's run, <laughs> what? like, are neck and neck with Bendy and Malieve, and then just Mark Wade's nose makes it a hair pass. For give a photo it a, finish, give it a little bit of time, let it let it grow a little bit. I don't know, but I love Bendis and Malieve's run. Underboss it's, it's, is like the single six best issues of Daredevil ever written. The thing I loved about Bendis' run is, art, it, is uh, it it kind of it kind of uh, each story arc kind of grew out of the next, and it it had this really. I mean, it feels like one big story. Uh, he had these plot threads that were always. I mean, so does Mark Wade, but. Bendis was on it so long, and I just I have a hard time, like midway through a run, being like this is better than this story that came. You know, I mean, just that Bendis Malieve issue where he confronts uh, the owner of the paper, and he leaves the office, and he just the tick 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 tick. And the guy's like, "No, I'm running the story." You guys remember that? That was so good. Yeah, yeah I mean, Bendis and Malieve's run is excellent. There's they're both excellent. Bendis Malieve's and uh, Wade, Insomni, etc. But I mean, I, I think love, it was like uh, Wade's better. I love Frank Miller's. I don't know if you guys... like. I, I have to read that. I'd we should to. do that for a book club. Born Again? 
Born Again I have read, and it's fantastic. Born Again I have not read the whole way through. I had it from the library, and the library copy, I was uh, flipping through, and I got to, like, maybe the 60th page, and it was, there were, like, a clump of pages held together with what looked like boogers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) God, what a, that'll just ruin your day. Kind of dried on the pages, so I never finished Born Again. I'm going to clip out stuff saying booger. (laughs) Yeah, did you, uh, did you pick up Dark Knights yet? Dark Knights. Daredevil Dark Knights. Oh no no the Lee the Lee Weeks thing. Yeah, that is gonna oh, be a, that is oh, gonna be a, a, a big Seth, series. You got to read it right after we hang up. On no, I, I'm, re- I'm getting I think the I'm, tissues ready when I'm reading issue two the, and three. <laughs> the plan for me was to wait on that in a hardcover. I figured they put out a nice hardcover of that. Double dip that, Seth. Double dip it, man. I can't, man. My my budget, my comics budget is all right. You throw that around, and I can't. I, gotta I don't back think off. you can talk about a comics budget if you're buying hardcovers. I think the whole idea of a budget goes out the window. In my no, opinion. here's the thing. My my wife's got me on a budget now. This is on air, so I'm going to be held to this. My wife's got me on a budget, and it like includes my hardcovers. So wow, I sh- wow. have X amount of dollars per month that goes towards Which? my single issues and the hardcovers. Red line, red line. Oh, big time red line. You know what else I read? I read on the train. I finished um, Daredevil End of Days. Mm, mm. So good. Mapone. I, uh, I got nice hardcover. That is actually my favorite ending of the End of Days kind of Marvel killing off characters like even Wolverine the End. I thought it fell very flat like as of issue two but this story i feel kind of pays good homage to the character of daredevil mm. good homage you want to talk about going the extra mile and selling cre- a creator selling a book they believe in jonesy ramsden and i are mm. tweeting back and forth david mack jumps in un unprodded unpolled filtering Exactly, and he says, "Yeah, I'd I'd pretty I'd recommend buying the hardcover. There's 24 extra pages of back matter in there. Uh, you know, I and immediately I'm just like, and I'm just like, Jesus, David Mack just tweeted us. If that's not a a a, a, a sign to pre-order that sucker, that yeah. was just like the classiest move ever. I think. Oh, that was by a, I've never seen. My that finger went through my Amazon app on my phone, <laughs> trying to hit that link right. to get that pre-order just right through. You know, mm-hmm. I I think that one should get oversized because I I looked I paged through um Frank Miller Frank Miller and um Sinkevich's graphic novel they did for Daredevil. Have you ever paged through that? That's not collected digitally. I'm not even sure if that's an hardcover. It might be out of print. Which one? Whether retail is origin, what stick? Is that what you're talking about? It's it's in Sinkevich's like painted, super painted almost art deco work that he did. Like, I've never seen it before. Bendis always tweets or tumbles pictures from it of, like, Electra looking all super sexy and styling. And the, the, the last page of the back cover, I remember distinctly because he draws it in a manner where the background looks like wallpaper, but it's Kingpin's body, and the center bottom of the page is Kingpin's face. So it, he, he draws Kingpin as, like, this larger-than-life character... Um, I'll have to see what the heck it's called. Uh, my, David from Comixology, where I work. Disclaimer, I do not speak for Comixology. He has that in his long box in his office. And it's oversized, like the Marvel graphic novel line. And it's amazing. Hmm. Gorgeous. I should read that. Remember when Daredevil got that crappy armor suit? That wasn't you mean great? great? I actually sorry, what? that armor. What? 
what? That armor, that armor might be better than Bendis and Malieve's run, I think. You guys, stop it. <laughs> you guys are Jim Lynn for poping me right now. <laughs> Lending you. What other uh, yeah, book club, I don't or, even call uh, it trolling anymore. I just call it Lindy. The old Lindy. Yeah, what was your book club or lightning round? Uh, Age of Ultron 10. Oh, yeah. One job. Oh, boy. Was one. That just seems so not worthy of a poly bag. You know what? It, it would have been if they didn't spoil the Angela stuff. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, but like, who even who even cares who that like I I yeah, exactly. honestly do not know who that character is exactly nobody I would I would I would have pooped I would have pooped if, if it wasn't it. spoiled for me it, you know if it wasn't released in USA Today I wouldn't know who this exactly. Angela character was yeah <clears throat> and I thought I was waiting for another twist because that was so wide, well known I didn't think that was going to be the reason why it was polybagged yeah. The only reason I think they they went to USA Today is because even though it was going to be polybagged, they figured somebody would spoil it to like two days ahead of time, and somebody did. So they probably, that's why they did it. They're like, we have to be the one breaking the news if it's just going to get spoiled anyway. But I mean, for me as a comic fan that was aware of Image when I grew up, I would have so plotted. If I turned the page and really? I saw Angela riding that giant head, like I would have instantly lost control of my bowels on the couch. <laughs> Like that would have been like a, a holy s moment for comics, but now the way that like you had to find out via USA Today, it lost a lot of that luster. Yeah, but that's I mean that's probably just the that's the price of doing business these days, I guess. It is, it really yeah. is. Mm-hmm. What was yours, Seth? Uh, Wolverine and the X Men. Oh yeah. Twelve times a month. I I just I saw it today and I actually groaned when I saw it. I was like, no. I just I can't. I love the book, but I'm I'm getting burned out to the point where I don't know. I just uh, it's stretching me too thin. I want to buy the I want to buy some of this new stuff. Like Lazarus was awesome, and uh, something else number one came out in the last couple of weeks that I bought. That's twelve that bucks a month. Did you get that uncanny number one? Oh, did no. you read it yet, Tail? I didn't no, get to I buy bought it. I didn't read it. It was really good. I wanted to, but I I passed on that. I bought X Files last week, and I love that. Great. Yeah, I'm gonna be Loved buying it. that. I'm trying to think of what else That's I read. That's a season ten. Does that p- like pick up right off where the show? Yeah. Ended or I think it picks up where the last movie ended. It's <clears> like. Uh, Mulder and Scully are in like basically witness protection together, and uh, I, it was cool. I liked it. The art was cool. It kind of reminded me of uh, Sean Phillips a little bit. I thought it was good. Hmm. Scary, creepy, tense. There's Scully didn't get kidnapped or or tied up in the first ten minutes, so that was good. That's a win. Mm-hmm. Do you guys uh, for her. Do you guys watch the show often? Yeah. Remember, like the season nine episode where Skelly or uh, Mulder switches bodies with Michael McKean from Area Fifty One, and he's hmm. like in in Mulder's body for like a couple of days. He gets like a water bed and tries to seduce uh, Scully with like a couple of wine coolers. Really? You guys remember that? What season was this? 
eight or nine. It was late in the show. I think run. I stopped after it Mulder like the season quote, left. that Jonesy dreamed up. No, that was an episode. Of, that was a, that was a Jonesy fantasy episode. Kindle World, yeah, my Kindle World. Edition. I'm actually just pitching <laughs> stories at you. Yeah. Do you guys you remember that episode where Mulder got got so and so drunk? Let me take let me take some notes. Seduced <laughs> them on a waterbed. Uh-huh. Do you remember that time where Jonesy? I mean, Mulder had sex with her on that waterbed. <laughs> I also read uh, Hawkeye, the pizza dog issue. Mm. I just actually started that. Your mind? Don't spoil it. Right, Don't spoil yeah. it. I didn't actually lose my mind. I mean, I liked three quarters of it. I didn't really get the ending. I mean, I know I was really excited for it, but the ending was kind of uh, Daredevil, Daredevil uh, 2070 and the end kind of fell flat. I think somebody that we know tweeted that she hard cried at it, ugly cried or whatever she says. Ugly sobbed, maybe. Ugly, yeah, maybe that was it. I read um, Superman the Man of Steel 37 Zero Hour issue where all the different era Batmans meet up with Superman. It's pretty weird. <sighs> zero Wasn't hour. any good? Um, it was, it was good zero that... year. No, oh, zero, zero hours from the oh. 90s. This is the one where Superman had long hair, so Clark Kent had a ponytail yes. and nobody was the wiser. <laughs> Two were the same person. <laughs> Get out of my face. Mm. DC Comics. Well, Zero Year was the uh, comic that Seth was going to drop, and then the next day, he immediately bought it. No, what happened is I actually I hadn't bought Batman since the the um, death of the family. So Zero Year brought me back around. That's cool. Yeah. Oh I yeah, I was going to ask you: Did the was it just Snyder's work on Batman? Like, you picked up the wake, I, I'm guessing, without any hesitation whatsoever. Yeah. So was it just Batman that you are maybe fatigued? It's just Batman that I haven't loved. I love Snyder's stuff. I love American Vampire and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, everything. I mean, I even loved his Detective Comics run. And I really like Night of the Owls and the Court of the Owls stuff. Mm-hmm. But not Death the Titan stuff, but, yeah. Death of the Family killed me. But that ending. Dead. Did you try to? Did it just kill you because of the title, or were you do, were you trying to keep up with like all the other? I just didn't like it. I didn't like mm-hmm. it. I couldn't get it. Like it, it, it seemed everything about it seemed off. I don't know. How about the theory that I'm going to pose right now that they changed it because of Damien's death that happened in Batman Inc. Mm-hmm. Maybe something was going to happen. Like what? They changed their mind. I don't think so. Something more permanent than what? Something more did. permanent. That may have happened. I don't, I don't know. know. They, Grant Morrison says, you know, says what's what. People change up their stories. Let's not let's Grant. not get hasty here and start bashing on Batman Incorporated, Dale. How about all the art Whoa, changes that's happening on that book? I mean, I'm what's not. Burnham doing? Burnham over. can't get a uh, twenty-two pages out a month. Read oh my gosh! Again. Did you guys read issue number eleven of Batman Incorporated? No, I no. wanted to to eat it. It was I mean, so bad. if we're going on Seth Breedslove review system, I didn't read it, but I looked at a it's few pages and it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I just is that Breed's the one where uh, that book. Lucius Fox becomes a bat person? Is that uh, happening? That's I can't. no, that's <laughs> again that's Jonesy Mulder. Mulder seduced if you Lucius just, Fox. If Jr. you could just give me your best notes right now, uh, let's just go around the room. 
Get him down. Is that the issue where I, I mean, Mulder took off Lucius Fox's junior's pants? <laughs> the white. Okay, I just want to get Fox. your po- hot tub or no hot tub. That's all I want to. There's write one down. more issue of Batman Inc. left, right? Or is it done? No, it's not done. Look at the instant defense mechanism. No, it's like, no, like it's crazy. Holy There's got to be another it's issue. It's up, or and two. he gets. He wants to eat the comic because it's so bad. But so you, he's, so he's the only like one the red that can dragon talk bad about it. Batman Inc. So, so you didn't mind that Chris Burnham had to have an artist helper on a lot of those issues. I, I, that would have bugged me. No, it bothered me. I didn't like the the pages where it happened because it ended. Up, I mean, those really took the, me out of the story a lot. Yeah, the fill-in artist was not up to snuff. I mean, especially it's hard to stack up to Burnham anyway. And then when you're coming in trying to draw like him to you know do a fill-in page, it just didn't. How about the artist on the uh, one that Burnham wrote? Did you like that art? I didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. Man, fo- I'm not take hearing my a whole lot of positives of about this Batman Ink book. I, I, couldn't I didn't. My... I couldn't. I'm it eating. was just that issue number eleven was awful. <laughs> Listen, it's midnight. I'm tired. You know, Dale talked my ear off about p- Poison Ivy for an hour before the show. You mean Jonesy talked to your off about the synopsis to Green Arrow Year One? I think his synopsis actually took him longer than it did to me, for me to read the book. And my face was bright too, guys. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a union. I'm a mason. <laughs> Let's just keep going on the troll right. train, on the windy train. First stop, Lindy Town. <laughs>